Yeah, the revelations now televised. Uh, a platform for you and I. And now look with full heart and clear eyes. Now, these are just my thoughts. Truth on how I feel with these topics I reveal. Please know my toll, I always keep it real. Can't face the world if you can't face facts. For your time, just open up your mind. That's it, just live, think big. Now take that. With God in me, this here was made by design. Yeah, the revelation will be televised. Revelations. What's up, people? It's your boy Rev, and you are listening to the Revelations podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening to us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, thumbs up, share it, leave a comment, let us know how you think I'm doing on the Revelations podcast. Thank you for rocking with us so far. If you are listening to us audio only, please make sure you also share this with some people. You're listening to it, that means you enjoy it. Why not share it with somebody else? Let them enjoy it as well. And you can help me out by sharing it and guess what sharing it is free so you get to help your boy out without spending a dime all you do hit the share button find in your contacts paste the the link hit send there you go you helped me out tremendously now i just finished having a conversation with a woman who inspires me i will let you listen to the conversation to see why she inspires me so much but this woman is awesome and her name is miss cat miss Pat Carpenter, Miss Pat. I've only known her for three years and she is awesome. She, she keeps me going. She is a reason that I don't give up because I think about her story and her mission. And if she can do it, so can I. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show about never giving up and realizing it's never too late to chase your dreams. Before I get to the conversation, please follow us on all of our social media platforms as well. That is the Revelations podcast. You could find us on IG, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. And you can also contact the show directly at revelationspodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the conversation. I will be with you afterwards to give a couple of parting words, but this is one of the greatest conversations I've ever had. I'm really excited about it. Now let's get started. Okay, welcome back to the Revelations podcast. I am joined by an esteemed guest. I'm so happy to have her here, Miss Pat Carpenter. Miss Pat and I met three and a half years ago. It's been a, been a long time. We've been on a journey together. We'll get into that a little bit more. But Miss Pat, how about you introduce yourself to the people? Let them know about you as a person, as a human, your family, anything else you want to share. Good evening, everyone. As Timothy said, I am Pat Carpenter and we're cohorts on the journey for a PhD degree. Yes. But prior to that, I was still Pat Carpenter and I'm mom, grandma, great-grandma, auntie, sister, cousin, you name it. I'm all of those things. Uh, I've been married for 57 years. Wow. I started the journey of marriage when I was 16. Wow. Because you either have to go to college or get a husband to leave the house. Mm. And so I wanted to leave the house, so I got a husband. <laughs> Left the house. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. And where are you from originally? I'm originally from East St. Louis, Illinois. Okay. okay. And uh, after we had children, we moved to Belleville, Illinois. And after our oldest went to college, we moved to Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And so we've been here for 37 years. Wow. And how many children do you have? I have two. You have two. And Ava. I have what we call the A-team. Uh, Anthony married Athena. Ava married Art. 
and all of their children's name begin with A. Right. And you are a grandmother, you said. And how, how many times over are you a grandmother? Five times grandmother and four times great grandmother. That is fantastic. And still and still taking. And if you don't mind, this will this will be relevant to the to the podcast later as I ask you some questions. Can you you said you were married for 57 years and then you said that you got married when you were 16. A lot of people can't do the math. Can you tell the people exactly how young you are today? I'm, I'm 73 and a half years young. All right, there we go. And blessed because when I had my 70th birthday, I became a little nervous. The okay. Bible says you need three score and 10. And so <laughs> 70 was not a good year for me. Okay. I kept thinking, this is it. This is as good as it gets. Right. And uh, go ahead. But I prayed and asked the Lord for more. Please mm -hmm. uh, let me see this PhD through and see this grandchild and that great grandchild or whatever do some things. And hopefully he has answered that prayer because I'm still here. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I met you in your 70th year. Uh, that's when yes, we started. That's when we started. So, yeah. so Miss Pat and I started this uh, cohort program at Illinois State University seeking a doctorate in educational administration way back in August of 2020. And we are both finishing up our coursework this December in 2023. Now I will admit that when I started the program, I would, you know, we, we met everybody and I'm like, okay, we got a senior here. That's all right. You know, go ahead, go ahead, Miss Pat. And, and unfortunately, Miss Pat and I are the only people that look like you and I in the program, right? Well, in, in our cohort. Now, since oh, we've got a couple more people, we have more, since our cohorts have sort of joined in this last semester, but we've been on this journey. And Miss Pat, I just wanted to tell you that you're an inspiration to me. There's been several times in this that I want to quit, but you know, if if I have a a, a senior, a, an auntie type figure, a, a grandmother type figure that can keep on pushing, I can too. So uh, I want to go all the way back to what you said earlier. You said when you were younger, you had to get a husband or go to college in order to leave the house. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So, so let's go back to your educational journey when you were a kid. I imagine you grew up, I mean, just the years counting, you grew up before the desegregation of schools when uh, Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. So tell me about your early childhood going to school. What was it like going to school in segregated schools and anything else you want to share? Well, mine is a little bit different. Okay. Uh, I started school in 56 oh, because okay. my mother was killed and uh, I refused to talk. Wow. Okay. So I started school later than other people. Okay. And so I did go to a mixed school. Okay. My grandparents felt like I wasn't flourishing there. So they removed me and sent me to a black school, all black school. Okay. And there I thrived. Okay. There were kids like me. There were all the teachers were like me. And many of them lived in the neighborhood. Mm, okay. And so to have your teacher around the corner or have her up the up uh down the street or whatever is a blessing. Yes, ma'am. Now the bad part of that is if you act out at school and the teacher, I would I would panic on Sundays. <laughs> if I saw my teacher go sit next to my grandmother and begin to scoot towards her, I began to try to reflect, what did I do this week? Because at church? she's going to, 
Yes, at church. Okay. So I'm, I know she's getting ready to say something to my grandmother about some behavior I had at school that week. And I'm trying for the life of me to remember, what did I do? Mm. Mm -hmm. Because I was a mischievous child anyway. Okay. A little older than some of the kids. So I was a leader and I would tell them what they needed to do. Okay. Uh, so Sundays were not always good for me. <laughs> I am excellent, but, but not Sunday. I imagine so. And and what do you, so you were not thriving in the segregated school as a young no. black girl in no. East St. Louis, you're not thriving. But then when they sent you to the all black school, you began to thrive. And you said, because the teachers look like you and students look like you, what comfortability did that afford you that the mixed school did not? Oh my gosh, can you imagine um, being in a school and raising your hand every day and no one ever recognizing you? Wow. So it's like you're invisible. Mm -hmm. And so from second grade, I began to just blurt out an answer. Mm -hmm. I knew the answers, never got called on. Mm. So she called my grandmother to the school to speak about the way I blurted out. And my grandmother said, have you ever called on her? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, no, I'm trying to give the other kids a chance. Because she, she, I know she knows the answer. Well, what chance is that? <laughs> so my grandmother said, well, let me just explain something to you about Pat. You need to call on her at least one time. And once she answers a question, I guarantee you she won't raise her hand again. Mm -hmm. But if you do not, she's going to keep blurting out. And there's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So... That made the teacher, of course, call on me, mm -hmm. but it didn't make her treat me any better. Wow. Okay. I understand. So I get to third grade and teachers talk. And it seemed to me, I, I, I'm, I'm young, that I'm not jiving in this class either. Mm -hmm. And so my grandmother said, well, you know, uh, there's a school right down the street. And it's an all-black school. And of course, we're dropping you off at this school thinking that you would do well. But there's a school down the street. Why don't we just try that? Wow. Okay. And we did. Okay. And I did very well. And go. not well by our standards, very well, period, by anybody's standards. That's awesome. That's good. And I and I know I I I can tell by how you are now that you did well. Then you've always been a hard worker. So, okay. So you, you start in third grade, you start at a all black school and do you continue on in all black schools until you get out of high school? What was it like from third grade on through uh, finishing public school education? Uh, by seventh grade, I, there were no black uh, junior high schools. That's what they called them then. So I went back to a mixed school. Mm -hmm. And met some of the same people that I had been with in first and second grade. And it was nice to reunite with some of them. Mm -hmm. Went on to high school with the same group. Okay. That was nice. Uh, but in junior high, we had a mixture of teachers. Okay. The black teachers and white teachers. Mm -hmm. And so that was okay. Mm -hmm. And they treated us, I feel like, all the same. I, I didn't feel any prejudice or, or anything, not even from the students. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's wonderful. I was going to yeah. ask that. How did you, you know, how, how with that adaptation? But I mean, you're from Illinois. I'm from Illinois originally. 
You're from East St. Louis. I was, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm actually from Alton, Illinois, originally. I was born there, lived there until I was about nine. Then we moved over to Champaign and then I moved down to Texas and, you know, now I'm out of the country. So, okay, great. So that was your, that was your school experience. Then you got married and you worked for the state of Illinois. Am I correct for a while? Yes. So can yes. you talk about 35 that? Years. 35 years. So you retired as what? Can you tell the people what you did at the state of Illinois? As a public service administrator, senior public service administrator it was called an SPSA. Okay. And uh, my staff was four white men. Okay. One white woman. A couple of the white men used to give me the blues. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't necessarily want to take instruction. They felt like I was just put there just because. And I made it clear, even if I was put here just because, it's because I should have been here. Right. Absolutely. And this is the way we will do things. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're the boss. Uh, this is how it's going to yeah. work. Absolutely. No matter how you feel about why I'm here, I am here. And I don't have to prove my qualifications. There you go. I'm not about to prove my qualifications to my subordinates. I'm not getting ready to do that. So then you retired from there. And yes. after you retired, you didn't just sit on your hands and do nothing. What'd you do next? And this is where we're, this, this is the good part. What'd you do after that? Well, I began to uh, go back. Uh, before I left public aid, because I got my education, uh, my bachelor's at public aid. Nice. I interviewed for a job that I was more than qualified for, but I did not have a degree. Mm -hmm. And the department of public aid, the department head said, uh, as long as you agree to go to school, I'm going to give you this job. Okay. I said, really? He said, yes, you're what we're looking for. Now, I don't know what that meant, and I didn't ask. <laughs> but they allowed me to go to UIS during the day. Okay. I would go from 8 to 12 and then work from 1 to 5. I still got a lunch hour. I thought, <laughs> I'm really what they need, okay? <laughs> the, cream in the, uh, the cream in the coffee, I guess, or the coffee in the cream. That's amazing. Uh, so that's how I finished my bachelor's. But before... I was re retiring. I said, you know what? Because the state is paying half of this. Mm -hmm. I need to go and get this master's. Okay. I didn't know what I should get it in. And since my bachelor's was in uh, finance, and that's what I was doing, finance, I didn't want to add any more numbers. <laughs> so I thought, I've always liked education. I've got all these grandkids in school, five, mm -hmm. and they seem to be having issues, various mm -hmm. issues. And okay. it would be so nice just to know school law and what has changed since I've been in school. Mm -hmm. So that's what prompted me to get this bachelor's in education. Okay. And and trust me, I was able to help them navigate a lot of situations. That's awesome. Just from knowledge that I got out of that. Absolutely. And so when I retired, uh, everybody else was still working. <laughs> I was only 54 years old and I didn't know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, my husband said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, but I have been watching uh, this TV show where you find criminals and things most wanted. I said, and I've seen those people. They're up at the grocery store. <laughs> Every day he would come home and I found someone else. He said, you're losing your mind. These people are not all at the grocery store. 
you need to figure out what to do. Okay. Well, I thought, thought I've got this degree in education, education mm -hmm. administration. Mm -hmm. So I go into the school and I find this is my calling. I really like this. So can I, so can I, I pause for almost 14 years? Can I pause and ask you a question? So uh -huh. after all these years, mother, grandmother, uh, wife, all this great stuff, retiree from the state of Illinois, in your 50s, you find your calling. Yes. And that 56 is, to be exactly. 56. And that is why I, I knew that. And that's why I wanted to, to talk to you about this, that it's never too late to find no. your calling, your passion, whatever it is, never too late. So Miss Pat at 56 decides I'm retired. I don't want to just sit and wither away. I'm going to use a degree that I got way back when, and I'm going to uh -huh. go into schools and I'm going to start a whole new career. Yes. 56 years old. Yes. So tell them what you did when you, when you went to school, I know, and I'm excited about it. Why don't you, but I will let you tell it. I'll let you tell uh, it. I, I subbed. I thought subbing would be great because if I don't want to go and when they ring and call me, I don't have to go. But I discovered the kids don't respect you when you were, when you're a sub and they only see mm -hmm. you once a week or twice a week. And it occurred to me, this is how I used to treat the subs when we had them. Wow. I didn't pay them any attention. I ignored them. And that's what they would do to me. So I decided I'm going to have to do this every day to mm -hmm. garner respect. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started working every day. Wow. And I, I realized I enjoyed it. And the kids actually see me as a grandmother. Of course. And they will tell you, you have Miss Carpenter. You've got an OG. And she does not play. Original gangster. Miss Pat, yes. you worked in Springfield Public Schools. Am I correct? Uh -huh, yes. Okay. And what was, so what was the difference between how things were when you went to school to how things were for the students you began to teach decades later? Things for the students now in the school is like when I went to first and second grade. Mm. None of your teachers look like you. They don't even live where you live. And they say they care. I don't see it. Okay. They think if they bring you uh, a cupcake for your birthday and sing to you, that's showing that they care. Wow. Do they stay after school to help you with your work? Or do they call you on a Saturday to see if you need some help? Do you see them at Walmart where they have a conversation with your mother? Mm -hmm. You do not. Okay. They scatter like roaches when that school ends at 2.30. We have two ways to exit Springfield from where my school is. Mm -hmm. They go this way with the mass exodus. <laughs> and they Please hit 55. Okay. are gone. Okay. All right. If there's a game or something where they have to take their rotation, they get paid to stay. Mm -hmm. So they stay. Mm -hmm. And so does that so they leave. And and what was your job at the school? This last assignment I had was a BD class. Uh, nine children who had a discipline issue. Let, let me be let me be clear. BD means for those who don't know behavior. Behaviorally disturbed is what yeah, they behavior and disturbed. Okay. That, that's so, their disability. Right. So it's so, not that they can't learn, they can't 
follow instructions. Right. So in layman's terms, they put Miss Pat in the room with the bad kids. Yeah. That's what like like that's you know, there there's there's no other way of saying, it. you know, I'm a straight shooter. So when when you when you got the job and you went into the room with the bad kids, quote unquote, just for the people, what did those what did most of those students look like? Me. <laughs> just like me. Okay. I had uh one white student that was a boy, one Hispanic student who was mixed and, and confused. Cause he didn't know some days he'd be black and some days he'd be Hispanic. Okay. And then I had a white girl. The others all looked like me. Okay. And they always. Okay. Which disturbed me. Mm-hmm. Because you've labeled them and you treat them like they're bad and therefore they act like they're bad. Of course. Of course. And yes. that particular room had so many restrictions mm-hmm. that I couldn't handle. And I was very vocal about it. Mm-hmm. The door must remain closed. Mm-hmm. They must line up and go to the restroom at the same time, girls and boys. Mm. They must eat lunch at a designated time in a line. Mm-hmm. If they go outside, you must have an attendant and they must play in a segregated area. Miss Pat, that sounds like prison. It is prison. It is. It is prison. So it's getting you ready for prison. If if it's not prison, you're ready for prison. Absolutely. And and you have a specialty. Again, I know this about you in the audience. So the, these be, these behavior disorder kids, these are not dumb kids. It's not that they don't have the ability to learn. It's just that they they have a hard time following instructions, and the structure of a of a standard classroom isn't necessarily fitting them now. They're considered bad kids because we've learned in our class that it's called deficit thinking. When you Mm -hmm. begin to think about somebody in the negative way, that if they can't, then they won't. If you don't think a kid can, that they won't. And what is your what is your specialty when it comes to teaching children? Reading. Okay. You all every semester, if a dog could talk, I could teach him how to read. (laughs) And that's what I used to do all those years was Mm -hmm. teach reading. Okay. Readers out of a classroom. And bring them to the level that they needed to be. So if your reading level was third or fourth grade, my job was to get you to sixth grade. And did you notice that if you ever got somebody up to the reading level, were they then able to return to class? Did, they, did their behavior get better as their reading got better? Oh, but these weren't considered BD kids. They were just slow, slow oh, reading. Oh, okay. Okay. So they would return to the regular classroom. I would work with them one-on-one. Okay. They'd go back to the regular classroom. Okay, I understand. They considered that they had a problem, and they weren't all black kids. Oh, so your reading what? students and your BD students were different. These are different yeah. occurrences. Yeah, these are different kids. Okay, okay. I I sort of confuse that being. being yeah. oh, okay. So so okay. So you're you're in um, Springfield Public Schools. You're working with kids who have a struggle reading. You're working with kids who struggle with behavior, and then Miss Pat says. I'm going to, not only am I going back to, to work at a school, I'm going to go get a doctorate in education. Yeah. What came in, what, what brought that about? And, and I'll, and I'll be, I'll be brief. I'll tell my story. Okay. I sort of started my doctorate because I was bored. It was mm-hmm. during COVID. I didn't have anything to do, but I knew that as a, as a black man, that there was a glass ceiling in education that I was going to hit. 
that I needed all the excuses to why I couldn't go to that next level to be taken away. So if they, so if somebody rejected me for a job or for a position or for a promotion, it could only be because they didn't like me or because I'm black. It could never be because I don't have the degree. I don't have the credentials. So I decided, I said, you know what? We're going to be in this program three to four years, three to four years are going to come whether I take the classes or not. So I might as well. So I decided to join the program. And then when I joined the program, that first class, the worst class we've ever had with Dr. Ragu, that statistics class was the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. <laughs> you know, you know, that class was awful. But anyway, so and, and I see you there and I don't remember your why for going. So what spurred you on to in your advanced age at 70 years old mm -hmm. to say it's not too late for me to go? at 70 and start a doctorate, the highest level of education one can get in a particular field. Uh, I agree with you on COVID. I was so bored. My husband and I were sitting here on the sofa watching Bonanza and Gunsmoke, the same movies we saw growing up. And I thought, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So I go online and I've graduated from UIS. I'm looking to see what doctoral program they have because I don't want another master's. Okay. The only thing they have is uh, political science and government. I've just retired from that. I don't want to do that again. So I look at ISU. It's somehow or another, it just popped up. I think I was trying to put in UIS and put in ISU. <laughs> okay. They have a doctoral program. It reads good. I like what I see. And it was July when I applied. School oh, okay. began in August. Right. Uh, the person who was over the program called me and he said, you know, we're supposed to interview everybody. And I don't know if we have time to do all of that. I said, well, no, we have time. Because I'm. this is summer. I can do whatever is required to get into this program. I don't want to be rejected and we haven't gone through the process. Mm -hmm. So he interviewed me. He said, I, I'm going to uh, meet with the board, special, uh, schedule a special meeting whoever he had to talk to about whatever. And he did, and he got back to me. And I said, he said, you've been accepted. Can you believe that? I said, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> because before <laughs> I make go. these major decisions, I always pray about them. Is this really right for me? Wow, okay. And there was no indication that it was not. Okay. So it was right for me. Amen. And, and I had a stipulation that if I expire before we graduate, I received my degree posthumously. Really? Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's that's, awesome. That was my stipulation. Well, we're going we're gonna to pray that you don't expire. I, hey, the Lord has to, when I prayed about it, it, it didn't seem to be an issue. Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't want to come this far and then not receive the degree. Absolutely. So, so you decided at 70, I, yeah. I, nothing, nothing has seemed to stop you when you were, when you were a child, you were not being treated right in one school. So you decided to go to another and, you know, you, you began to excel. And then at 16, you said, you know what, I'm going to get married, but not only am I going to get married, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to start working. And as working, they said, Hey, you need to get a degree. And you said, okay, I'll do that. 
and then mm-hmm. you got your you got your bachelor's in finance, and then you said, "Fine, I'll get my master's in education." Then when I finish that, uh, I'll retire from one job and I'll go right back into another, and then you continued on after that, and even now you're getting your doctorate. And the that's why I say you're an inspiration because you've never given up, and you've never let the fact that you're that you're black get in the way or stop you. You've never let the fact that you're a woman get in the way or stop you. And you've never let your age get in the way yeah. or stop you. So how, what can you say to people that might think I'm too this or I'm too that or life has passed me by. I'm too old. I got too many kids. I, you know, whatever excuse that they're telling themselves in their mind, what can you lend to them that might motivate them to say, you know what? It's never too late. My circumstance is never too bad to go after a life goal. Just what you just said, it's never too late. If you can see it, you can do it. Mm. A lot of people do vision boards. Mm-hmm. They put things where they can see them. My vision board is in my head. Okay. I don't have to cut out a picture and write a sentence and put it on a wall. And I'm not negating those things. I'm saying mine is up here. Mm-hmm. That once I visualize it, it can be done. Wow. And if I can do it, you can do it. And people will look at you where you are now and say, but you don't know. But sweetie, I do know. <laughs> can you imagine being 16 and having a husband and then subsequently having a child and still working and everything that comes with that responsibility? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at Miss Pat now, you didn't see her then. Right. You, you know, and a lot of people tell you, you don't know my journey. Mm-hmm. It has been a journey. Mm-hmm. And it's one I'm really very proud of. As you as you should be. Yeah. And I'm proud. I'm proud for you. And and, you know, in the program. So if you you've always noticed that I've always called you Miss Pat. And that's because my mama raised me with some sense. And you put a <laughs> handle. You put a handle on that name. Right. And, and yes. I always wanted to honor, respect you. And and revere you in front of our colleagues, in front of our co our cohort, because I see the beauty in you as a black woman, and I would always I always reverence you as Miss Pat. Other people can yes, call you, you Pat. Could. You know I don't I don't call you that. No, you you're you're Miss Pat, and to the point where we've actually had a couple of our um a couple of our professors they call you yes. Miss Pat as well. Right. Because I yeah. say it and it, but, and, and I'm doing that because I always want to honor you. I always want to, res- to, to show you respect and show you that deference, because again, you, you motivate me, you keep me going and you could be such an inspiration. So as you are in your, I, I don't call you old. I, I say you're seasoned as you are seasoned and, and you're going along. You, you sometimes struggle with the technology that we have for our program. Yes, and and, and a your, lot, and your <laughs> and your boldness to ask questions and not be ashamed. So there, there's so many people in the world that they might be able to see it, like you said. If you if you see it, you could be it. Well, the first thing is a lot of people don't have vision. We we know that, but if yeah. they do have vision, they might get in their own way. So how do you overcome the insecurity of I'm an advanced age? Technology is zooming through the world super fast, but you don't let that stop you. 
So what is the internal motivation that you have to keep going even when times get tough? Because I feel like if you can get it, so can I. Mm. I'm not slow. I'm not retarded. I don't have I, I don't have a handicap. And mm. age is not a handicap. Mm -hmm. There's wisdom here. And I tell you what they were our second year, uh, Scott. Yep. Called me from New York. His mm -hmm. dad had been sick. Okay. And I had checked on him. And mm -hmm. he called me and asked me something about an assignment that mm -hmm. he had gotten stuck. Scott's a principal. Scott's a brilliant man. Thank you. <laughs> he is. And you're calling me? <laughs> I was so honored. Wow. Wow. And I had the answer. <laughs> yes, you did. I know you did. And he said, oh, okay. And so then I said to him, you probably had it too. But in dealing with your parent and having to go all the way to New York, you didn't. It got lost in somewhere. You had the answer. You just didn't realize you had it. Wow. Wow. But that boosted me to a whole nother level. It gave mm -hmm. me a level of encouragement that I hadn't had. Because as you know, our cohort consists of principals, people who are vying to be superintendents, yes. their team leaders. Yes. They have exposure to knowledge that as a teacher or a substitute, I don't have. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I do have a boldness that they yes. don't have. Yes. Yes. Because I will talk to my principal one on one. This is not working, Mr. T. <laughs> we, we're going to have to change this up. Now, I'm old enough to be his mother, too, but I always <laughs> called him Mr. T. Yes. Yes. Because of his office. Mm -hmm. He is the principal of the school. Look at, yes, that's amazing. And I say, I need to run something by you. Mm -hmm. So actually, by the time after Easter break, my kids ate lunch in the cafeteria with the other kids. Wow. They went outside for, they eat 15 minutes and they play 15 minutes. They went outside. The door was open. These are your BD kids, right? Yes. They okay. went to the bathroom by themselves. They wow. were treated like regular kids. Wow. And not and like mates. Right. So if you put the bar here, they may not get over it, but they can bump up to it. Mm -hmm. But if you put it here, there's nowhere to go. Absolutely. I'm already at the bottom. Where, where do I jump? Absolutely. And he said, well, I'm going to try this based on what you say you've seen with these kids. I said, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. I said, and you should have seen it, but you keep the door closed so you don't wow. see it. Now, certain times of the day, the kids would ask me if they could close the door because they weren't used to all that, le that level of noise. Okay. But beyond that, they want to be treated like humans. Yes. They're not inmates. Not yet. And they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. So we had a Black history program. One of my students read, did a poem. Wow. One of was able to make the track team. Wow. And she didn't really run. But you all would never know. These kids, they have it up here. They just have trouble sitting still. Wow. Wow. So any deliverable that I can find, if it's a bouncing chair, if it's um, a Rubik's Cube or one of those fidgets, whatever, that's what they need. Mm -hmm. They don't need the door closed and just shut up. Mm -hmm. You know? And this particular group that I had, 
was just coming from middle school. Their fourth grade year was COVID, so they were taught from home. Mm -hmm. Their fifth grade year, the teacher had cancer and they had multiple substitutes. Wow. So you don't know if they could have been changed, if their behavior could have been modified or not. Your IEP is based on third grade. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing that that you're able to have that impact and you change the 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 policies of the school and how they operated with those children and I'm quite sure you've changed their lives. So at so just to bring it bring it full circle, you know during this cohort, during this time that both of my parents have passed away. My mother and my dad passed away. You you know that. You you all are well you all are well aware. And my mother died of illness and my dad got ill because he, after my mother passed, he didn't have anything to do. My mother taking care of her was the motivation to get up every day. And I talked to him on, on his deathbed, like literally on his deathbed, me and he and I are having a conversation. And I said, I said, dad, he was 70, uh, 71. Yeah. Dad, um, you know, do you, do you want to live? And he said, well, I feel like I've run my race. Um, and I don't have reason to get up every day. You all are gone. Your mother's gone. I don't, you know, he worked, he was working a part-time job just to keep himself busy, but it wasn't the same. So you having something to do, getting up, worrying about these kids and, and also still having an impact. So is that what keeps you going, knowing that you actually have something to do, that there are people who, little people, young people that are not related to you? Of course, you have husband and grandkids and kids and all that, but you also have these these little ones who are dependent on you and needed that consistency that they missed during COVID. And then the next year, their teacher had cancer, so they had multiple subs. So then you come in and you're that consistent rock. So talk yes. about talk about not only your internal motivation that you said about seeing it and being it, and you know you can conquer it if somebody else can. Talk about those external motivations that you may have that keeps you going in, in the twilight of your life. Uh, I'm kind of like your dad. My mm-hmm. grandkids are all in Atlanta except for one, and she's grown and on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have a purpose. You just must have a purpose. And when you don't, you feel empty and useless. Mm -hmm. And once I started subbing and I saw that those kids don't necessarily need a book. They need someone that loves them. Wow. It doesn't judge them. Wow. See, if if you tell me, if you come in, and I could tell you which ones it would be. Mm -hmm. Mother partied all night to 4 a.m. So I didn't get rest. Mm-hmm. When they come in my class at eight o'clock, I allow them to go to the back of the room and have a seat and take a nap. Okay. And then when you get, because who can work with an agitated kid? And this was not just the BD kids. This was any of them. Mm-hmm. They knew you're going to get to go here and, and kind of rest. Mm-hmm. If your mom worked until four or five and had to pick you up, you know, there's no sitter at home. She's got to come get you. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make allowances for that. But now you can't sleep all day. You have to give me that time back during your lunch period or after school. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You still have to cover as much material as everyone else. Yes. During COVID, I had a young man who had to fix lunch for his siblings who were also at home because of COVID. Oh, and wow. he was always coming into my class late. Mm -hmm. My co-teacher would lock him up. You're late, you get locked out. So I called his home after work and I asked his dad what was happening and he explained what was happening. I said, you know what? Let's pick a time Saturday because mm. he's getting behind. Okay. He said, you work on Saturdays? I said, honey, I work any day. Wow. So he and I, because we could accomplish more in half an hour on a Saturday <laughs> than we could during class. Absolutely. Because when it comes to boys, mm. I don't want them to get behind. Talk to talk about that. Why why boys in particular? Talk speak into that a little. You know, uh, I'm not one that's big on birthday parties, mm -hmm. whether I can afford it or not. That's not my just living. You know, as a party every day. You woke up, mm -hmm. but when my son turned 21 and mm -hmm. never been arrested, pulled over, beat down, we had the biggest party we could have. Okay, because that was an accomplishment. Yes. And I was so proud of, of, of that, uh, you know, what we had, I think, instilled in him and what he had learned. Yes. But now, then I come along with these three grandsons. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to make sure they're not beat upside the head for saying the wrong thing or looking the wrong way or reaching for a brush and somebody saying, oh, you know, that that's a nine millimeter, really. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. And that's how I feel about these kids. Mm, I, wow. I work at what they call the hood, nobody wants to come to my school. Mm -hmm. It has low ratings. And the people that are there are there because they have to be. And that's black and white. Wow. They could leave, they would. Mm -hmm. But my boys, I pay close attention to. Wow. Cannot sag in my room. I'm going to bring you a belt. Mm -hmm. now, you can either put it around your waist or we can put it on your behind. <laughs> Absolutely. So, one young man challenged me and he said, well, you can't hit us. I said, well, who told you that? <laughs> he said, well, it's written somewhere. I said, well, find it for me. Find the link where it says that. I gave him a handbook. He couldn't find it. I said, okay. I said, so I'm going to do a drive-by this evening. He said, you do drive-bys? I said, I won't have a gun, trust me. But I will sit in your driveway if you have one. I will sit in front of your house. I will knock on your door until it's dark, until a parent comes to the home. I will call grandma, auntie. I called one man's uncle who was in the Bahamas. I didn't know he was in the Bahamas. <laughs> and he answered his wow. phone. Mm -hmm. And I said, he's acting out in class. I need you to speak to him. He's already been suspended. I don't want to go that route again. Mm -hmm. He said, suspended? He said, his mother didn't tell me that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, he has been. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he said to his nephew on the phone, mm -hmm. but I didn't have any trouble out of him the rest of the semester. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. So I don't mind reaching out because mm -hmm. it does take a village. It does. And I, I think there, there needs to be, and not to sound archaic, but I think there needs to be a particular... Uh, attention to our boys because our boys seem to be the ones that fall through the cracks more. They're more likely to be the ones to be jailed and or on drugs or do are getting into trouble. So the fact that you're taking extra 
precaution and pain, not that you're not paying attention to the girls, but that you have a softer spot for the boys. I appreciate that because at a time I was that boy at a time I was the kid. Now imagine this. In fact, I don't know if you know this about me, but when I was in sixth grade in middle school in Champaign, Illinois, they diagnosed me with a learning disability. They said I didn't have the ability to learn. Yeah, me, right? Like, like nobody would think that. And they put me in the, not behavior classes, but the learning disability class, the LD classes. So, and, and what they were doing is, it was because I was a black kid. And mm-hmm. it was easy just to label. Now, I had a mother who, like you, was a real OG. My mama didn't play that. So she came up to the school when she got that report and said, you can say he has a learning difficulty, but she made them change the wording in my file from disability to difficulty. I was only in there for one year. In my seventh and eighth grade year, I was in normal classes. But the fact that I had a mother to look out for me or the fact that I had loved ones and some of these kids don't necessarily have people at home that go that extra mile to look out for them. So I appreciate that. As a as a young black boy at heart, because I think we're we're all just grown kids at some point, right? Mm-hmm. We're all we're all still that little boy or that little girl that might have been hurt or scarred as a youth. So I appreciate you doing that, and I just appreciate you overall joining the show today, um, letting people know that it's never too late. That if you can see it, you can be it, right? And and that that you always need a purpose in getting up and going. And I just tell you, you're an inspiration to me. I know my audience. I know my audience well. You'll be an inspiration to others. And I just appreciate you. So I want to give you your flowers and say thank you for joining. Thank you for being a part of our cohort. There's been times, I'm going to be honest, Miss Pat, where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. But if I'm like, if Miss Pat sees himself can get up and go to these classes every time, I can too. So I am here. You have called and checked. You you have called and checked on me when when I've been down. So I appreciate you and your your loving heart and your loving spirit. And I'm just happy that you're in my life. So and here's Thank the you. thing: I cannot wait to meet you, which we will one day when we graduate. I'm coming out. I'm gonna fly up there, and I and I want to meet you uh, because you know I think only you and Lisa are the only people that has ever met in the in the entire cohort. Right. And she was purposeful in letting me know she was in Springfield. And I said, tell me where you are. I will be there. That is awesome. I was. And And I got there ahead of her. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope I didn't get my instructions wrong. You know, that's possible. (laughs) But then her bus rolled up. She said somebody had to use the bathroom or something in any way. And I was so glad to meet her because she struggles more than she should. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 And I can't tell you the late nights that I've had to talk her off the ledge. Yes, yes. She has a big heart. She does. Yeah. She has a big heart. And I'm thinking, if Lisa's struggling, what is wrong? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You should not be struggling. Mm-hmm. But look at you. So, so having confidence in yourself really is not a a, a color issue. No, it's not. But, but look at what you've done. Not only are you going through this program and, and you're doing well, you've motivated, you, you've helped Scott, you've helped me, you've helped Lisa, you've helped us all. And you, you are a motivating factor. You are inspiration and we appreciate you. So thank you again so much for joining uh, the Rebelizations podcast. Uh, I appreciate you. Of course, I'm going to see you in a couple of days when we get back into class um, ne- next week. But thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. What's up, everybody? And thank you for listening to the conversation 
with myself and Miss Pat. Um, she is an inspiration to me. At 70 years old, she started her doctorate program. She has not let anything stop her from accomplishing goals and accomplishing her dreams. And I hope you will follow suit and do the same. Never give up. It's never too late. You can always push through no matter your circumstance. You can do it. So from the Rebelizations podcast to you, from Miss Pat as well, you can do it. Never give up. And it's never too late. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at The Revelations Podcast. That's on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also contact the show directly at revelationspodcast at gmail.com. We'll holler at you next time. I am because we are. Peace. Peace.